What's up, guys? Coach Jonathan here. Thanks for joining us on the podcast again. Excited to be with you. This week, though, I want to talk about something that is a little somber, and I'm just genuinely concerned about the health of the United States. Uh, thanks again for listening. Thanks again for watching, however you're listening or watching. Thank you so much. If you could share this out or give me a five-star review, I would appreciate it to help grow the podcast. So I want to jump right into it. Uh, this is something that I've been paying attention to for about a month now. As a gym owner and coach, I've always been health conscious. However, the past like month, I've seen so much more when it comes to what I see as poor health in our country. So back when it was around Christmas time, my wife's family flew in from Colorado and uh, it, it's her brother. So my brother-in-law and his two daughters, they wanted to go swimming. And so we went to this place called Epic Waters, which is in Grand Prairie. It's an indoor water park. It's actually pretty cool if you ever get a chance to go. It's awesome. I got to do the, uh, the, the wake surfing thing, you know, like with the water that they shoot up a ramp. Pretty cool. When I was there, though, I was looking around and, you know, I'm not a guy that just takes my shirt off during a workout. That's just not who I am. I always typically leave it on. Uh, I don't really... I have a reason why other than I just feel usually more comfortable with a shirt on. So, you know, I go there though and I take my shirt off because we're swimming or whatever. And <clears throat> I'm looking around and it's just very evident in an environment like that, like people who are carrying a lot of extra weight. And the amount of people and also the amount of children that seemed significantly overweight just really concerned me. It was so much more than half. And I was looking around and I was like, is this in my head? Like, is this just something that I'm seeing that might not actually be true? Like, am I biasing some way? Am I making it seem like it's worse than it is? But I started looking at like statistics and I realized like that was actually pretty average. Uh, I looked up a Harvard study and this is talking about different uh, continents. And this one says that roughly two out of three U.S. adults are overweight or obese. Okay, so 69% of the population is what we would consider overweight or obese. And one out of three are obese. Now, this study was done in 2012. And one of the things that it says here, if U.S. trends continue unabated, meaning like without any type of interruption, by 2030, estimates predict that roughly half of all men and women will be obese. And they go on in this article to talk about how like the the rate of increase may have slowed a little bit, but it's doubled consistently over certain decades. And it's very concerning because our country is trending towards that being the norm or the majority. Now, being overweight is already the majority, but being obese being at least half the population, if not more than half of the population. And so... I started reading some of these statistics and I was like, maybe my eyes aren't fooling me. Maybe what I'm seeing is actually true. Well, last week I went for my daughter's birthday to Great Wolf Lodge, which is another indoor water park. It's a little smaller. It's, it's, it's connected to a hotel. It's really cool. But same thing. I'm in there and I'm just like, you know, I'm looking at myself and, you know, I'm not like 2% body fat bodybuilder, like crazy shredded, but I was just looking at myself and I'm looking around and I'm thinking, man, this is really bad. Like, these people are destined for chronic health problems, and their children are getting, like, they're, they're starting behind the blocks. So they're, they're not getting a good start with their habits. And 
the 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 problem is not that the adults are necessarily obese. The problem is that these lifestyles are being repeated, and once you create habits and behaviors, they can be very hard to change, especially when they're developed in an environment where you're a dependent, like you're dependent on the adult. And so it's just what you know. And those are the harder ones to, to change. It's not so much changing the uh, adult. They know better. But like when you raise a child and they live a certain way and they just know that to be true, it's very hard to come into that worldview. It takes time for them to mature and see that there are potentially other worldviews or other ways of life and maybe recognizing that the one they're living might not be right, but they can be very defensive of it because they're emotionally connected to their parents and they thought that their parents were you know, this great person in their life, which they probably were, but this one piece, this whole lifestyle thing leading to poor health, you know, they'll, they'll defend it because they're emotionally connected to their parents. And it's very hard to admit that this person that you look up to and you revere is wrong. So that's actually a very big problem. And so if we're looking at multi-generations, you know, this study it originally started in the 80s is what they're, or 1979 is where it started. Like, that's a long-term level of evidence showing a bad trend. And so, you know, like I said, I go to these water parks and I'm looking around and I'm just like, man, like, is this normal? And then I see these numbers and I say 69% of U.S. adults are overweight or obese. That's 7 out of 10. That means that if you're not overweight, you're in the top 30% of the United States in terms of health. And then if you work out four or five days a week and, and just simply watch what you eat, you're probably in the top 10%. And if you do that for 10 years, you're probably like in the top 1%. So I look at all this stuff and I'm like, man, this is, this is not a good situation. Like this is very much a systemic problem. Like this is not just, we had one group of people affected by a worldwide event. That was a problem. Okay. So like, for example, if you take COVID, and then people had to work from home, and so they become less active, less mobile, less likely to go into environments that are better for their health and fitness. You could say that, yeah, those people are going to potentially have more health problems in the future. That's an event that happened in 2020 and has a lasting effects. But if we're starting this study at 1979 and we're seeing consistent growth of these numbers, that's way bigger than a single event. Like we've gone through a lot of stuff since 1979. We've gone through two market crashes. We've gone through a couple wars. We've gone through other worldwide events. Like this is not a good trend. And so when I say systemic problem, what I mean is there are a lot of things that are feeding it. So it's not just, hey, go exercise and eat better. It's recognizing that the inputs are massively disadvantageous to people succeeding. So for example, like food, like it's no surprise that with food, there are politicians and lobbyists who profiteer off of certain food production, usually mass food, which is not nutritious and it causes lots of health problems. Like there, there's that, but then there's like school food. Okay. So like school food is like, is the outcome of the lobbying and the money being put into mass food production, which is normally not healthy food. So the things that are served in school are either those things or made from those things. So like all the bags of chips in school or the way they make school pizza and chicken sandwiches. Like it's, it's reinforcing the problematic distribution of food, which is promoting a certain system of food. And then like 
we create new acceptable standards. All right, so so let's walk through this. So you got the food, then you've got the utilization of the food in the schools or workplaces too, right? Workplace cafeterias or whatever. And then you've got what's an acceptable standard. So like if you have school lunch, right? I still struggle with desiring certain things that when I actually look back, I, there was a lot of things that I ate when I went to school for lunch. Like I love Chick-fil-A's spicy chicken sandwich and I love pizza. And like there's sometimes like after I eat it, I'm like, why do I like this? And I've actually retraced that to those were two common things that I really looked forward to and ate a lot of at school lunch. And so now as a, an adult, I'm like, man, why do I always want this stuff? And it's like, I know I don't feel well after it, but I had this craving for it. Like tell me that that's not a pattern. Tell me that that was not some sort of wired loop in my brain from when I was a child. Okay, so you feed kids like that long enough and then they have the health problems that come with eating that way, it becomes an acceptable standard. And what I mean by that is it becomes a way of life that no one's going to try to interfere. So Because they're like, oh, it's just like that. Like that's just what school lunch is like. Now, I work with adults and I'll tell you this, it's very hard for an adult to change during the time uh, if their spouse is not also trying to do it. Because in the environment, it's conflicting with what they want, right? But when I see spouses get together, they both change, change dramatically. And it's not just like a little bit more change. It's like exponential. Because they create a better environment for change and the standards get better. So both of those things change. Now you take kids' school and like they feed them the crap and then they have health problems, but now that's acceptable. So what's normal in society, roughly two out of three U.S. adults are obese or overweight. That's acceptable. So now someone carrying a little extra weight, like think about how we say it. Like, yeah, I'm just carrying a little extra weight or I want to lose a little bit of weight in my midsection. Like that's just nicer ways of saying like we have a lifestyle problem. So you know, like I said, I, I saw this stuff and I was like, man, is this really a problem? And I started looking at the numbers and yeah, it is. Like what I was seeing when I was at Epic Waters and Great Wolf Lodge are legitimate problems. Like they're statistically backed. So two thirds of the U.S. population or more probably now is overweight or obese. And so I want to talk a little bit about solutions because I don't want to get so stuck in the problem However, I want us to be very problem aware. Like, this is a serious problem. So, when it comes to solving this, like, the number one thing is this starts in the home. So, it starts in the place that has the single most influence on a human. So, where you live and who you live with, there's no way of getting around that. Because it's the highest level of influence and the most consistent level of influence. So, like, adults, if you're not happy with the health of your kids... You need to look at yourself first because they're getting the most influence from you without a doubt. So if you don't like what you see with your kids' health, then you need to look at yourself. So that's number one. This all starts at the home. Whether you want to admit it or not, it, it's the truth. It's the reality. Now, the second piece is education. Now, this is multifaceted. So this is like education you get, meaning like you're listening to this podcast or you go on YouTube or social media or whatever. But it's also education in the sense of what actually is healthy and what is not healthy. Okay, So, for example, Cheerios are marketed as a healthy food. Well, the problem with that is it's not. <laughs> the problem is Cheerios are very low nutrient-dense 
processed carbohydrates, which are directly linked to almost every chronic health issue. So you can't say it's a health food, and but if you go to the grocery store, it says heart healthy on it. But that's not heart healthy. There, there's major mechanisms that Cheerios do not promote heart health within, but they're allowed to do it, right? So I'm not going to try to fight the FDA or anything like that because it's too ingrained. But what I am going to do is re-educate and say that, hey, just because something says on the box that it's healthy doesn't mean it. And so when it comes to actually making change, like we need to be aware of that. We need to be aware that the people who like make the Cheerio box, like they're really smart. They, they follow studies that use human psychology to make you believe that that's a healthy food so that you will then buy it, even if it's at the expense of your own health. Like we need to admit that people are doing that, that we need to admit that people are profiteering off the ignorance of Americans, especially when it's related to health items. It's especially related to foods and labeling that tells you something is healthy, even though it's not. So that's the two sides of education. There's like the literal education, like getting new information, but there's also recognizing that there are very powerful, potent mechanisms trying to prove to you something to be true, even though it's false. Once you start to become aware of that, you can change a lot of things. But if you just go on believing that that's not true, very hard to change. Um, next is social proof. So like when someone does experience a change, like we need to be willing to listen to how they got there. A lot of people will die on the hill of methods, meaning like they'll die on the hill of like, this is the only method. Like I love CrossFit. It's not the only method of exercise. I think it, along with, you know, the community of fitness and the proper coaching and all that stuff is one of the best methods, but I'm not going to die on the hill of method. What I want to talk about is a principle. And so whenever someone has a change, largely health and fitness change that they've carried over for many years, I'll bet you can go ask them how they got there and changing their nutrition, exercising, changing their sleep, and overall changing how they looked at their lifestyle and health is at the core of it. doesn't matter who it is. And the reason I can tell you with that is if they've made consistent changes over five years and not yo-yoed and made you know, slow, steady progress, those are the things that lead to it. There's no magic pill. There's no magic pill for this. It's what are you putting in your body? What are you doing with your body? How are you recovering for your day, from your daily efforts? And how consistently are you doing those three things? It's very simple. The problem is people want to know which method gets you there the fastest or the easiest. The truth is that's a waste of time. What you want to do is talk about principles. So you find the social proof. You find the people who have actually made the changes and ask them what helped you change. Guarantee you it's not going to be eating all the foods marked as healthy in the grocery store. It's not going to be just succumbing to what like you could get at a school lunch or a workplace cafeteria. All right. And then the last one, but probably the most important one, is building environments for success. Like I was saying with things starting in the home, like health starting in the home, the reason that it starts there is because it's the most influential environment you have. You sleep there, so you wake up and go to sleep with certain things influencing you. Then you interact in a large amount with people who influence you, you know, your family members or whatever. That's also where all the changes, if you want to make them, you can make the biggest change because it's the environment, number one, that you spend the most time in and has the greatest influence, but it's also the one you have the most control over. That's right, your home. Your home is the environment you spend the most time in, you have the most influence from, and you also have the most control over. 
So if you can take the environment you have the most control over, plus the most the most the influence and most of the time, you can manipulate a lot of change simply by changing your environment, removing certain foods, changing certain standards of behavior. Whatever it is, you start changing these little things, you are building an environment for success. That will get you way further than like willpowering yourself into some form of change. It's the same thing with which gym you go to. It's the same thing with what friends you hang out with. It's the same thing as what restaurant you choose to go to. Like, dude, when I was at Great Wolf Lodge, cool place, but dude, like the food options. Like, you're just, it's not an environment for success. Like, because it's designed to be like food that you want to buy a bunch of and it's cheap to make. Well, that typically is unhealthy food. The environment is not good for health. So, if you know that, then you either understand that and you choose to act differently or you just go to a different environment. So I like barbecue places. Barbecue is just barbecue. It's smoked meat. Maybe it's got a little sugar in the rub on the outside of it or whatever. But like you can go a long ways just by getting smoked meat. Like that's a easy thing. And so that's always a better place. If I'm like, man, I'm really hungry and I'm like, you know, I don't have a lot of mental bandwidth. Like I just choose to go somewhere like that. So that's just another example of how much environment can build your success by choosing a better environment. So all this comes from like a massive concern. And I can't explain what's happened in the last month other than those two experiences at Epic Waters and Great Wolf Lodge. I just saw it. I mean, it was just visceral. I saw these people, you know, in their bathing suits. And I'm like, man, like, is the is this where we're at in this country? that this many people, this percentage of people are carrying this much body weight or some not enough muscle mass and the kids are like that, like where is that going? got me really concerned. It got me really concerned because it's a big problem. It's a systemic problem, so there's multiple things feeding into it. But I, I think we can make changes and that's my hope. My hope is that we can start making shifts you know, in our homes, the way we educate, the content of the education, listening to people who've actually made a change and made it stick, and, and really getting into environmental design. I mean, this office, like, I, I designed this office on purpose, and uh, I didn't used to have it. And when I started doing it, I was like, well, I guess it makes a difference to have a good environment. But, like, it does make a difference. Like, what this desk looks like, what this room feels like, it changes how I feel. And it's like that with everything else. It's like that with your health, your relationships. And so my, my cry to you is that you would just recognize that we have a problem. Just recognize like, like this country has got a health problem. And we may not shift the entire country, but recognize like you, you can do something about it. Like you have a choice. You can control your home, the place where you have the greatest influence, and you can change that. So thanks for listening this week. Like I said, that's kind of somber compared to how I normally get on. But I'm just concerned. I'm concerned and I want to see progress. Like I want to see a shift. And I work with people every day that come from whatever background they are coming from. And I see these similar themes. And I've also seen enough change to know that it can change. So um, thanks again for listening, guys. Again, if you found this valuable, please share it out. 
Um, that's the number one way. Social proof is the number one way that something can grow. So share it out for me. And then uh, I would love if you got on YouTube at Coach Jonathan DeVries and hit, send me some comments or questions. Um, that's the best place for podcast stuff. So awesome, guys. Thanks again. I'll see you next week.